With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. has been released to aid you in that which is to come because you have put yourselves in order. And by order, you have placed yourselves in God. I'm here. What is your will for me? And the revelation of that is coming to you because you stand under an open heaven in which God begins to pour out into you answers to the questions that you've had. Now they will begin to drop into you like a block, and you'll get the A and then the B and then the C, but you will know at this juncture in your life what is the will of God for you for this season. As the heavens open, so will the revelation in your hearts and in your mind. But it begins with the heart and then in the mind. And you will receive a confirming word because not only as you come under your husband's vision, but he will join you in yours because your identity has not been lost, but regained in him. This year, the blessing of the Lord is being doubled in your hearts. The anointings are being doubled in your hearts. As you obey him, out of your hands, will flow the power of God to heal and to deliver and to declare that God is alive not only in your homes, 
but outside the homes and in every realm that you enter into, God will be known because he is with you. Just as I was with Moses, as I was with David, I will be with you. And as you open your mouth to declare my name, I will be with you. And signs and wonders will follow them that believe. So be it in the name of Jesus.
And uh, you know that the thief comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Anything other than a life lived for him, dynamically and day-to-day, is a life of religion. And religion, the Bible teaches, John chapter 9 and chapter, chapter 10, uh, begin to speak about a religious life and the thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And I said, I thought that was the devil. Yeah, it was the devil using religion. Religion is a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the context. And the enemy was well involved in, in, in the local religion of the day, and he was stealing people's lives because they were, they were following a set of rules without getting closer to God. I mean, are, are you with me? Many of us, because of the human nature, we would rather follow a set of rules and regulations that say this is how close you are to God. Because what happens, can I tell you something? Here's, here's the thing. You know why marriage is always hard work? It's because you have to stay involved. No, no, it's true. You always have to stay connected. And, and that's why it's hard work. But the payoffs are just so good. But here's what happened. You know, a lot of, like men, men, like, men live in, in compartments. And men can come out of a compartment and say, okay, I'm doing this. And then everything seems like it's right. And when you counsel people and counsel men, and the things that you read about marriage, is that I thought everything was great. Because what happens is that the way that we're built is that we handle what's in front of us and then move it along. You handle what's in front of us and move it along. But if we don't make the effort to stay engaged, and I'm talking what happens is it's really easy to do this. We, as human beings, have been trained to do this, and what happens is we'd rather, have, we'd rather be told what movies to watch because we don't want to be accountable. And when the Holy Ghost nudges you, it's easy to ignore because he doesn't come out and say, hey, stupid, get out of there. We just feel the nudge of the Holy Ghost, and we just don't, and we ignore it. God will turn around and say, hey, I want to spend time with you. Don't, you know what? Just put all the stuff aside. Even the God stuff will tell you to put aside so that you can get with it. But it's easier for us to get involved in the God stuff than to get involved with God himself. Because sometimes we start praying and talking to God and only five minutes pass and you go, wow. I thought I was here for an hour. How many have ever prayed and you think, oh, I'm praying. Man, I'm bombarding the heavens and I'm just oh, making so much progress. And you look up, it's like five minutes to pass or less. And then God's going like, and then, then you wonder why Jesus went on to say, couldn't you even stay with me an hour? I mean, no, I'm right. It's the truth. We're coming into a day when it's not what you know, theologically speaking, but it's who you know and what he's been saying at the hour because he said, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What are you hearing from God? Well, I hear his written word. Okay. What is, it, what is he telling you out of the written word? Because as you're beginning, God, the Holy Spirit uses two, two avenues through which he can reach you. Now, I'm going back to the times I was teaching children, and all adults are is big children. So here's what it is. He uses first the word, and then he uses the voice of your pastors and preachers that you've heard. Why? Because he brings those things to your remembrance. Then as you cultivate those, as you seek him more, then you'll begin to hear his voice, but you'll find that his voice sounds like your conscience. Because what does he do? He comes in through the spirit, which has been born again, reaches the soul, and then it's filtered back up. That's why it sounds a lot like your voice. But if you discern, how many know what discernment is? Discernment is, watch this, I'm going to give you a simple definition. Supernatural 
understanding. How many know that we perceive first? You know what perception is? It's coming into an understanding or dawning. You can't put a word. How many of us said, oh, it just dawned on me. Anybody ever understand that term? How many of us said, I saw the light? That's perception. When you perceive to hear his voice, it gives you sight. It gives you vision, right? Now watch this, because that's how you're born again. See, the Mormons say it's a burning in your bosom. Because they they read the word and it's, and it's salted with the Book of Mormon and they use regular scriptures. They say, didn't it burn in your bosom? Yes, that's God. Wow, I found the truth. And, and, and they, they give you that dawning. But what happens is they give you enough of Jesus to spark faith in your heart to make connection with Jesus. But watch this. Once you, that's the way of salvation. A lot of us get really dogmatic. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. Someone does born again. What is that? I might as well be telling him, para entender el evangelio de Jesucristo, tenemos que primero arrodillar. Y luego te paras y ya estás, entras y ya eres salvo. Do you understand everything I said? No, but that's that's what we do. We go we go speaking Bible knees and everybody thinks you shall be saved. Well, saved from what? What does that mean? God removed everything in the way. The commandments, all that stuff, he fulfilled them in Jesus Christ, the Ten Commandments. You know, because everybody knows something about the Ten Commandments. And then in Christ, all of that stuff was removed when Jesus died and was buried and rose again. When he presented the sacrifice for your life, everything was removed. You can go straight to God. Didn't I just explain the gospel? Everything was removed. Now you're free to go to God. Through Jesus Christ, now, he comes in, he makes his home in you. It's a miracle. We don't know how it happens. But hey, you understand everything about an internal combustion engine? No, but yet you put your key in it and it starts. The same way. Jesus is the key to God's heart and your heart. Are you ready to make that connection? All of a sudden, bam. But I didn't, I didn't quote a single verse, but I explained the gospel. Are you with me? This is how God begins to speak to our hearts. Every day, those things which we don't understand, he makes alive in us. Because the Bible says that he'll quicken. That word quicken in the King James means make alive your mortal body if his spirit is in you. You know what that means? We could stay healed in that scripture. If he, makes, if he takes, we watch enough television to understand what mortal and immortal, what can immortal beings do? Anything. Right? You can watch, a, you know what, how many ever seen X-Men? Those guys are immortal. Oh, Wolverine, he gets stabbed and what happens to his body? He gets healed. You know that our bodies are, you know that medical science says that our bodies should do that, but they don't know why it doesn't. So they help our bodies attain healing. Because doctors cannot heal, but they can do stuff to your body to help your body be healed. Are you with me? Yes. We're supposed to operate that way. So someone says, man, I want a body like Wolverine. We put on immortality by faith. Now watch, I'm showing you something here because we need to understand these principles that we know, but we don't live. We know, but we don't live. We put them into the computer, but anything that you put in your mind can be blown away through a storm of life. 
when tragedy hits or something happens, bam, you have to say, oh, wait, I'm a Christian. I should do this. If you do that, it's not in your heart. That's the true measurement of where you're at in Christ. How many ever answered an altar call more than one time in your life? How many have ever counseled people and they have it in books that says assurance of salvation? True? How many of you ever come to God and you're watching, even though you don't always watch Paul and Jan, but you watch Paul and Jan in the old days and they're telling people to come to Jesus and you think, you know what, man, I need life insurance. I've been messing up. And, and, and you pray the prayer with them. How many of you have ever done that more than once? Come on. We, see, we all have. Why? Because we enter into that place of self-doubt because we're not connected. Amen? Amen. How many disconnect every once in a while? Come on. True. There's two honest people in the place. Because everyone disconnects. Now, we found out that as the children of Israel were taken out of Egypt, God took them out and he started to take them into the wilderness. Now, we found out that the Hebrew, the, Hebrew, the, or the Jewish lexicon says that they entered into the wilderness, which means it's an uncultivated land, to prepare them to possess the promised land. So he didn't take them through conflict at first. Why? How many here, when you first came to Jesus, you felt like there was no conflict? Everything was so smooth. They call it the honeymoon period, where all you had to do is, Jesus, I want this, and boom, it was there. Come on now. What do babies do? They cry, they get milk. They cry, they get picked up. They cry, and they get changed, right? Their lives and brains and functions are not cultivated to the point, and they're not the sophisticants that you and I are, right? And as they grow, and mature, they're able to get their own water. Imagine a 15-year-old kid just laying around, start crying, I want water. Then you give it to them. I wanted cold water. Hmm? Well, it's cold, but I wanted it with ice cubes. And you have to go for the fourth time. How many know that you would probably douse them with water? Get it yourself. But see, that's <laughs> Miss Esther... She said second time. But see, what happens is this is how they were. And, and, and the Bible says that he did this so that they could see what was in their heart. See, we think that God needs to check us. No, we need to check ourselves. They had to see what was in their heart because their hearts were still not cultivated. So they passed through this place, and he took them through no conflict because if they would have gone through where the Philistines were, they would have had to have war. But God knew they couldn't handle war at the time, so he took them through this period where they didn't face conflict. Now they went through the, through the promised land, I mean through the wilderness, and they found out what was in their heart. Because the government, that, even though they were slaves, the government before in Egypt provided for them. See, we make it seem like these people were emaciated and didn't have anything. You know what? If, if you believe that the Kuwait pyramids were, were built by moving these multi-ton bricks or slabs of cement over, you know, have you seen, you've seen the examples where they laid trees out on their own and they had to roll them and then stack them? I don't know how they pick them up, but they had to stack them, right? Mm -hmm. To build these edifices, right? right. Would you let half-starved men try to do that? It doesn't make sense. We feed our horses and our mules and our oxen so they could be strong to move things for us on our behalf, right? We put good fuel, change the oil in our cars, 
and do all the things necessary to maintain our cars. Why? To keep them running right. Why? Because they carry you to the place that gives you money in exchange for your time. Am I right? You're right, Pastor. Am I telling the truth? Yes, you are. If we maintain those things, how much more did the government of Egypt have to maintain their slaves so that they could stay strong to accomplish the things that they had to accomplish? How many know that they let them raise their own livestock so they could eat well, kept them in homes where they could be comfortable? Are you with me so far? Yes. Yet they were slaves, they would get whipped and all this other stuff. How many have ever been written up at work? Some of you probably never saw a write-up in your life, but, you know, some people have. How many of your boss get mad at you and say stuff to you? I mean, I don't know what that's about, but some of you might have had, it, had the occasion. I'm like, no, what's this? But what happens is they, when they got into the wilderness, they were used to a socialist government that provided everything for them, but God was going to remove them from being cared for by the government of Egypt where they were slaves and brought them into a place where whatever they walked into, the first harvest was what? Houses you didn't build. Harvests of crops that you didn't plant. Amen? Amen? But after that, they would get busy with seed, time, and harvest, which was to continue till the end of time, which meant that they were going to yield fruit and grapes that were as big as grapefruit because the hand of God was upon them to be blessed by that which they labored for. But how many know only two were willing to go in? But how many know that in that wilderness area where they just went in circles because there's no such thing as standing still in God, you're always, there's always movement. Whether it takes you back or whether it takes you forward, there's nothing static about the kingdom. These people were saved, if you use that word, because they said, you want to go back to Egypt? Did God take them to Egypt? No. no. But they stayed through their choice until God said they're not going to enter in. So they lived their life in a place where God provided for their comfort at night, their comfort during the day, their shoes and clothes never wore out. They lived check to check because food was provided for them in the morning. True? Water, and even sweet water because they complained about it. There's mineral water, and then God gave them sweet water. Now watch this. But they never got into the promised land. So God left them where they were as God would leave you where you are. Amen. Now, we learned that last week. Then we got to the place in the New Testament where we found out in Luke chapter 10 or 17 where he said, watch this. He told them at the beginning, woe to whom stumbling comes. See, in other words, in other words, if you offend one of the little ones, Hawthorne will walk off. God, God opened, Jesus opened up this way. How? Through offense. You know, the body of Christ is real to offense. Because, see, we think, here's what we think. Well, you're Christians now. I don't get the opportunity to get hurt anymore. So we walk around with our hearts all open. Right? We let, we let our hearts, sleeves, walk all over the floor. Because God's no longer your defense. Because you think, oh, we're like lambs. True? Someone steps on your toe and you get offended. Now watch this. God's telling you. You're going to come uh, and you're going to face offense. And then he told the disciples, they're his. Say they're his. They're his. He said, 
well, someone steps on your toes, if someone says something stupid about you, you find someone, you know, you understand what I'm saying? He said, I'll take, you know why he said woe to those that offend you? It's because he'll take care of those that offend you. That's what he said. Now watch what he said. You, however, forgive them. Well, how many times? Yeah, just when he kind of loses him 70 times 7. And they said, whoa, whoa, wait. Help our faith then. See, they didn't say, I'm going to quit. Because a lot of believers quit. I want to go back to Egypt. I, want to, I don't want to hang out with Christians no more. But watch this. I used to hear this all the time. People in the world treat me better than those Christians around you. No, they don't. It's just that in the world, you're like this. But because you think you deal with Christians, how many ever dealt with a Christian, Christian businessman who ripped you off bet more than the world would have? How many? Come on. You know what? People sometimes think, oh, they got a fish. It must be good. But you know what? And it's not that. It's sometimes it's just not that you got ripped off. It's just that you expected more. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. With the world, you're guarded. Now, this is what happens. He said 70 times 7. And then he opens up this way. Watch what he says. He goes, it sounds like he went out of context, but Luke is detailed. Say Luke is detailed. He goes into this thing. He goes, help our faith. Now watch, he's going to help your faith. This is where we ended. If you say, see, Matthew used the mountain. He's saying about God's strength to enter in. You can speak to that mountain, it'll be removed through your faith. Showing you the strength of your faith. Now watch this. Then he says, you can speak to a sycamine tree. Now the sycamine tree that he's talking about only grew in the lowlands of Galilee. They didn't grow all over the place. So there's some that grew in the mountain. There's some that grew in India. But this one was very particular because it could not thrive anywhere else. But the soil was such is that they, the roots would go as far as the branches could go. And it was a hard tree to uproot once it started growing. And he said, you can speak, speak to Because if you move that tree, how many know that if you move a palm tree? Palms are so particular, man. They go into shock and all the leaves start to dry. And how many know you pay a lot for palms and everything? And it's like, what the heck? You know, so... What happens is, this for talk, the benefit of talk to people, and you, 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 you move these things, they go into shock, and it takes you a year to get them back, and you put palm food, and you do all kinds of stuff to get these little suckers back, and, you know, it looks like they die, but you've got to lift that little stump there, and you can't cover it with dirt, you know what I mean? Some of us are particular that way. Some people are just like that. Well, the sick of my trees like that. He said, you tell it, to, and you speak to it, and then you plant it in the sea. Now, how many know you get salt water? How many know that you just don't put salt water in your favorite plant? That's how, that's how this tree is, particularly. He says, and you shall, this is how good your faith is, is that it will plant in the sea. That word plant means that you plant, it takes roots, and it thrives. You put it in the most hostile situation, and because of your faith, it will grow. And he says, as he goes on, he begins to explain how many of you here having a servant Again, the context is still faith. Because the context was faith at the beginning, how to survive in faith through the, through, the, through the stumbling block of another, because you have to turn it over to God. He said, oh, yeah, my God. And then he says this. This thing ought to thrive. Guess what he said? He said that having a servant, you tell him to go do this and do that and do that, and then finally he gets to eat. How many know that he's not expecting a thank you? Because he's your servant. Faith is that kind of servant. Because faith will cause you to thrive in a hostile environment because he's talking about you being placed in this world because what happens is when you make a decision to follow Jesus, you're going to have opportunities to stumble because of what people will do. This is what we ended last week. 
How many know that people are going to be the ones that cause you to trip the most? We're in the people business. That's what the ministry is. We're here to prepare people for works of ministry. Now, I may say something that causes someone in here to get offended. And this is why I explain myself and go and take a while to teach you these things because, see, I'm not here to teach you concepts. I'm not here to teach you formulas on how to get rich and how to – can I tell you something? The person sitting next to you can explain what I'm saying about faith because faith – listen, faith is such a abstract concept because it can – the biblical faith is what? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. How is that defined in your life? I don't know. You tell me how it's defined in your life. Because I cannot live your hopes and dreams. I got to live my hopes and dreams. I got to sustain the hopes and dreams of my family. I have to stand and hold certain things together in my family, but you have to hold certain things in your family. You understand what I'm saying? What do you sustain? I listen, because I, I know that Esther and Robert, they provided some of the things I asked that you provide for me. And, and I got two of them through email and through text, and, 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 and uh, the ones in my own household I already have, but I received those. And you know what I did? I joined my faith. I said, Father, thank you. So be it. Praise the Lord. I know where they're going. And I know where they're headed. So, so far, I've got two of David's mighty men. Now, watch this. We come into this place now, and we thrive in a hostile environment. How many know that, see, can I tell you something? I'm going to work in a place that's all Christians, you sissy. Get in a place where it's just you and me against the world because you and God are a majority. But I remember the 70s with the revival. You wanted to work with all the believers. Why? Because you couldn't take persecution. You know what persecution in the United States is? Everyone complains about the Muslims and all that. Can I tell you something, man? Over there, they get shot for their faith. Over here, you get called, you Jesus freak. They call me Jesus freak. Pray for me. I'm facing persecution. How easy it is to offend you. God is with you. God of the universe, the one who sustains all things is with you. Open your mouth. I was looking at a children's book that I used to teach children way back in the day, and it was called The Holy Ghost Will Take the Chicken Out of You. It's the truth. And it's about, we used to teach children to be soldiers in their schools. That's why when people go to kidnap them, they, were, they would stand and say, free me now in the name of Jesus. These kids, some of these kids have that much word in them because we taught them how to maneuver through the world instead of just giving them concepts. Are you with me? Yes. This is what I intend to give you is concepts to survive. I'm not going to give you a theological thesis so you can go home and put it in your shelf. You understand? I'm going to break down a theological thesis so that it's usable. Can I tell you something? I always tease them. Xavier, and and because uh, he likes to use chopsticks and stuff, and that's fine. You know, you can use chopsticks if he wants to. And, and no, listen, listen, listen. What what it is? Listen, listen. Every culture has its mannerisms. True. And I was telling dude, you can get you can get more rice with a fork than you can with a with chopsticks. That's true. That's right. Now again, people like chopsticks. That's fine. But I tease them. I said, you know what? I said, you understand what I'm saying? And there's some people who like to grind up all their food and drink it. Wow. <laughs> No, I know, dude. I'm with you right there. You have this green thing right here, and you know, what's in it? And then it's like, no, never mind. Kale, broccoli, you know, I'm thinking like, I'm all, all right, the kale and broccoli together already lost me. Then they put Brussels sprouts, and it's like, see? See, and, and now, now watch this. That's good. It's for you. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? That's all right. You know, and, and, and my dad used to down eggs. So put them in the angel. Not me. Do you understand? But everybody's got something. In the spiritual sense, we all do different things as well. How do you feed yourself? How do you maintain the levels of the word in your life so that you can stay strong? Are you with me? See, just as I brought up all these different things, we all have levels in which we can sustain ourselves, and some are good for you, and some are good for me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I'll use a knife and fork, or maybe, you know what, not even that. Maybe I'll go old school like my parents said and use a tortilla and not even bother with utensils. Wow. You understand? That tortilla serves as a glove where you can just pull the stuff up and eat it just like that. Do <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? And then Xavier's next to me using chopsticks. Now, no, he gets authentic during the time. But you know what I'm saying? And as people begin to do different things. And so because we know that, the, the boys or even the Pam or whatever, we, we serve ourselves some food. We have, like, might have Chinese Food Tuesday. And, and, and uh, he gets his chopsticks, and the rest of us get little plastic forks for that food. Right? Now watch. Everyone is to their own. Everyone here. So we cannot afford to point fingers and say this is different. Right. Are you with me? Now watch, when we're placed in a hostile environment, God intends for us to thrive. And that tree, and, those, and you know the trees, just like the tree that he spoke to that was supposed to bear fruit around the clock, he found it not to have any fruit, he cursed it. What did that tree represent? The current religious institution of the time. He cursed it. Now watch this. He said, God would do this. Because, see, the seasons were changing and so were the times. Listen, this is why this is important. The new tree, which he was intended, the sycamine tree was supposed to thrive in a hostile environment. Was it not Jesus that said that they would hate you because of me? See, we think that the world's going to be your friend just because you got Jesus. Now, some of them are, Jesus will either attract people or repel them. I remember one time we're driving, and Rick was with us one time, and we're going somewhere. And this, these people walking, you know, we were in this neighborhood where people are just, you know, you walk into these neighborhoods, especially where the center, downtown or whatever, and these demonically inspired people will turn around and look at you. And they already know that you're a carload of Christians. And I remember what Rick looked over and they said, they attracted that demon. Look at him. The guy says, ah, you know, he just knew that, that he, he knew. And, and Rick turned around and told him, bind you in Jesus' name. You know, the guys are, ah, you know. And what happens is the demonic recognizes you. But they know that you have power, just like they did with Jesus. Are you coming to cast us out before your time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Julian and Riss tell us about that all the time. And what happens, they did. They had a road trip, and, and, and they had a lot of adventures out on that road trip. They had to write a little book about that. But it was, it was, it was awesome, but people recognized this. If, you have any, if it's too easy for you to blend with the world, then you need to understand, because now you're bowing to the, watch this. In Ephesians, he calls it, The spirit, I'll have to read it to you because I don't want to get it wrong because it speaks about a kingdom, the kingdom of the, the, the purpose or the kingdom of the power of the air. See, there's two kingdoms that you're operating. Either you flow with the kingdom of the power, of the, the, the prince of the power of the air, it's the kingdom. That's why he's called the prince. See, we don't understand the fact that there's two, there's only two forces in this world. I'm going to call it good and evil. 
but it's God's kingdom or the kingdom of this world. You're going to flow with one or the other. Can I tell you something? It's such a, I've been telling our kids, what do you have at home? I mean, who do you have? What's your anchor scripture? How do you anchor yourself in the, in the thing? Otherwise, you're operating on your own. Imagine what a, what a, the God of the universe is available to help you maneuver through life. Yet we want to do it by ourselves. And don't be fooled because you're not alone. There's no such thing as neutral. There's no neutral ground. Either you're in his kingdom or you're in the enemy's kingdom. There's no neutral place. Well, I choose not to believe. Good. Then your choice not to believe in God's kingdom allows you to remain under the prince of the power of the air in his kingdom. There's two kingdoms that maneuver and flow with your life. And if you're not a threat to one, they'll let you exist. So you'll stay in that uncultivated sense and go around in circles for years instead of pushing forward to that which God has for you. And when you begin to push forward, you're in a hostile environment, but the kingdom that operates in you causes that which is around you so that you can begin to flow in peace. What is peace? Wholeness. Do you know that the Bible tells us that we come into a place to do what? He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to who? To the poor. To set at liberty them that are bound. He tells you that you're going to take the fractured people and bind them together. How many know that in the kingdom out there, there are people that are fractured? Many believers are still living fractured lives. And if you would only receive the wholeness, that's what peace means. It takes that fractured part of you and puts it together and brings wholeness to you. Do you know that even though you're taken and planted in a hostile environment, in that hostile environment you experience peace, which means that you take that part of you which is fractured and God puts it together and makes you whole. That's what it's talking about with the peace of Jerusalem because the Jews have always called the peace of Jerusalem is, is the holy city Jerusalem in the heavens coming together with the earthly Jerusalem here. And the kingdoms of our God become one. And they're looking at the fractured Jerusalem coming together with the spiritual Jerusalem or that which is the heavenly Jerusalem coming together as one. So when you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you're, paying, you're praying for wholeness and true peace, which is that which God wants coming together with that which is here on earth. What will the millennial reign look like? Nobody knows. That's why you may listen to people who have their eschatology, and you can listen to them, and you may listen to it and say, praise the Lord if that's true. Because he never tells you exactly what's going to happen. He just tells you that you will know the times and the seasons. Say the seasons. How many know that we're in one of the last seasons? You just know it inside your heart. Because he tells you that you'll know the seasons. So you, we know that we're closer to the end than we were last season. Amen? Amen. But they've been talking about the last seasons. I was reading this stuff from the guy that from the, who, who was preaching sermons in the 20s. And in 1927, he one of the current evangelists, powerful evangelists, said, I doubt that we'll see the end of 1927. And this man was writing things concerning the kingdom in 1975, and he said, I'm not going to say anything. Pastor George and I heard someone say in 1985, if we pass 1985, he'll eat his Bible. I hope it was good. <laughs> Now watch. So what he's doing, he's preparing, he was preparing Israel to mature, to possess. 
the land. Because confession precedes action. Our confession isn't so that we can pull out of the air and make something happen now. Because our confession precedes action. Because your confession in what God says lays a foundation that you may walk on. So as you confess his word, you're basically allowing the words to begin to lay out that road that you'll walk on. But if you confess and you wait, can I tell you something? If you confess this word concerning healing, start walking it out. But it hurts. Take two steps and sit down. Are you with me? That's why, can I tell you something? Sometimes Pam was hurting with her knees and stuff, and, I, and when she starts to move around, I want to start to baby her, but I, I, I just say, Tut, just, just take it easy. But I don't fight her on it because I know that her faith has to work. You understand? And so when she'll go to the limit of what her, what, where she's at, she'll sit down. I do the same thing. The boys try to babysit me big time. Then you're going to be, you know, you're going to bang your knees together and lock your knees because if I'm on a ladder, I lock my knees start going forward and it's bone to bone. Let me do it. And sometimes I say, get away from me. I got to do this. Pamela said, I'm going to have to start carrying heavy things, go to Home Depot. She'll send one of them with me so they can start carrying stuff for me. They do. 90-pound bags of cement. He saw this little thing like that and he goes, what? I, how, that little, how can that little bag hold 90 pounds? The little bees, they're strong. They'll pick them up, you know. But see, what happens is, listen, listen carefully. Nothing wrong with that because here's where I'm coming. I had to t- kind of review last week. Now watch this. First Chronicles 11.10. I'm going to jump ahead real quick. And, and while we're jumping ahead real quick, where are we going and why is it important to this? Everyone say types of Christ. Christ. you taking notes, write number one. You say, well, Pastor, how can I turn to First Chronicles 10.19 if you got me writing things down? Listen. What is that song that says, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy? Okay. See, some of, some of you hear that little angelic face just go, oh, I've never heard such a song. <laughs> but you've heard others, no, I'm kidding, but what? Now, what's this? No, no, listen, your, your biggest, your, see, you'll watch movies that can bring offense, but there's no one that can offend you more than another person. I remember we were counseling youth one time, and a friend of mine, his name is Danny, was just ministering to this girl. And she's talking. I said, man, but you leave your feelings just hanging all over the floor for everybody to step on. Oh, and she she got really upset. How dare you tell me this? Well, because she did. And he was counseling her, and she was mad. And she started frowning. When she frowned, you knew knew she frowned. Her her lip would just, just hang down. And he said, there you are. You're going to let that lip fall so much that you're going to let it fall on the ground? And they step on that along with your feelings. Oh, man, she just, she just turned on him at that moment. And so, it, but a lot of us do that. We'll sit in a place, you want people to come and see you. And then you give someone the word, and they don't want the word. You say, well, let's pray. You pray. How many of you ever heard that one? You pray. 
Don't mind if I do. Father, in Jesus' name, I curse that devil in Jesus' name. Plan to leave in, in the name of the Lord. You saying God devils? No, but they're influencing you right now. You're not receiving the word. Now, you already turned there. Turn number one. Say Adam. Adam. And write it down. And Adam, you identify with Adam racially. Pastor was, was what race was he? The human race. All right? The human race. Look around you. We're all filled with this is the human race that's in here. Even though sometimes it may appear as the United Nations, but we are the human race together in this place. Are you, are you with me? We might all speak different languages. We might have different accents. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. We're all citizens of the kingdom of God, and that's what keeps us together. Now watch. The second one is Abraham. And, and, and we identify with Abraham redemptively. The third one is David, King David. And we identify with him and his royalty in the kingdom. And the f- fourth type is Jesus. And he is, the, he is the fulfillment of all three. Now you're going to say, Pastor, what does all this mean? Well, in Jesus, we already have been taken back to Adam. So our pedigree unites us with Christ. Because this is Adam before the fall. Your faith brings you into a place of redemption like Abraham. Abraham is the father of faith. And David is the administrator of a kingdom. We identify with him in Jesus Christ as royalty because we rule and reign through who? The scripture says it in two places in the New Testament. With who? Christ Jesus. That's what the Old Testament, you're absolutely right. So in this manifestation or in this dispensation, if you want to call it that, we are living the manifestation of royalty in administrating the kingdom of God. You with me? Now let me show you who you are in comparison to, watch this. Verse 10 says, and these were the leaders of David's warriors. Say leaders. Leaders. You know, my job is to prepare you for the work of the ministry, but God has given us the mandate to prepare leaders for these end times. That's why sometimes it seems like God bugs you a lot because he wants you to lead. You know what? Sometimes I'd can I tell you something? For a long time I was an associate pastor. It's so much easier to be the number one to a guy that's leading the pack. True. Man, when I was associate pastor, I heard all the gossip. I did. I'd hear all the stuff from a how nasty, how bad the pastor was and how he should be doing this and that. And I would take him in prayer and I would never agree with him. I would say, wow, okay, well, you know what? I guess you're seeing stuff I don't. Let's pray. I wouldn't join in any of those silly games. You know why? Because I knew that at one point I would be there. You know what? And then when I became the, I was so easy to be an assistant manager. You know why? Because <laughs> the bug didn't stop with me. I just, you know, but I backed up my manager. I made his, you know what? I made him look good. 
My job was to make him look good. So I absorbed all the junk, kept all the reports from reaching him, and I took care of all the business. Why? Because I didn't, you know what, if you're going to be a gospel, I would arrange for transfers so that we had people that would operate on the same page. Do you understand what I'm saying? I helped, I, I helped out getting weed out the people that love to talk and gossip. Because I knew at one point the, I would have the manager's badge and they wouldn't tell me everything. They'd smile to my face, pat me on the back, and all the time they want to stab your back. What's that? <laughs> Smiling faces, there we go. <laughs> That's right. And so here are the leaders, David's warriors, who helped establish and stabilize his rule. Watch this. Can I tell you, you need to underline this. The leaders of David's warriors helped establish and stabilize his rule all over Israel. As in the offices that I stand in, I need David's warriors who will help me establish and stabilize what God has called us to do all over life's word ministries and gathering places in accordance with the Lord's word. Notice they said it has to match the word. Now, you're saying, Pastor, what are you doing? Well, God's taking us out and bringing us into a new land that we may establish. What, what, is it, what are we to establish? Why do we do this? You know why? Because until that place, watch this. You want to know when Jesus comes? When the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord. You know what that means? It means that the influence of the kingdom, God's coming for a glorious church, not a beat-up church. You've got to know that already. If you're war-torn and battle-weary, he ain't coming yet. He's coming for a glorious church. And so what happens when we begin to influence the kingdoms of this world, what are the seven cultural kingdoms? That's what he's talking about, not taking over the land. He's talking about the culture of the influence of the culture of the kingdom of God has to reach the kingdoms of this world. And what are those? Government. The school districts, families, the church, the business world, arts and entertainment, media. Are you, are you with me? There's seven of them. And God outlines them in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Those kingdoms that are more powerful and more numerous than ours as we go in to possess the land. Now watch this. So as I begin to raise up leaders in this place, guess what they're doing? They're helping me stabilize. What is stabilize? Stabilization has nothing to do whether everything's going to be perfect because we're going to have tumultuous times. And they're just going to raise people up. They're going to say, you know what, man, I don't understand Pastor David. I don't understand his wife. Their family's trippy, man. They do things, you know, they're, but they kind of, you know, they're, they're a bunch of hippies, man. They just let everybody do what they're going to do. <laughs> you know why? Because I don't run it so tight that you lose your individuality. I could do that, but I want you to come up and be you. See, so if that makes me a hippie, then me and Jesus are close. <laughs> because he allowed Peter to be who he was. He didn't say, Peter, you're such a hothead. Get rid of your anger, and then I can use you. Nope. You know what he did? Can I tell you something? A lot of us who work, pastor don't understand. We all have jobs. So did Peter. He caught him at the last watch. They were coming in after working all night. The Bible said they toiled all night. And they were folding their nets. I love this story because then God showed me something. I'd read that story so many times. And all of a sudden, they're folding their nets. They're out of work. And guess who wanted to spend time? Jesus. Jesus comes on and says, hey, Peter, what you doing? Oh. Come on now. They're coming, bringing in their boats, ready to quit. 
And Jesus said, catch anything, boys? Jesus knew. Peter said, no. Don't see we're folding up our nets, Lord? Well, boy, he wasn't Lord. Don't you see we're folding up our nets, Jesus? No, we catch nothing. He goes, well, let's launch out again. Let's spend some time. Let's go out there a little bit longer. I mean, you know what? I don't want to hear it. I've been working all day. Can I tell you something? I've worked all day. I've worked all day. I know what that's like. You know what I'm following? Say, you can ask Pam. I work for companies where David and Larissa and Pam would come see me at lunch, and then I notice, oh, my kids have grown. Usually when you notice kids that have grown, it's because you haven't seen them in a while. Because I would leave when they were asleep, and I'd come home when they were asleep. I thought, forget that. So when I had a conversation with my district manager, oh, my God, we, they, they heard people, things going on in the back because he was mad, hitting boxes, knocking down antifreeze boxes and, talk, you know, just talking mess. But I was affecting my future. Like, your kids will come and shake your hand because they're going to college. I said, no, they won't. They'll kick me to the curb. I've listened to that song by Harry Chapin. Catching the curb. I'll grow up to be just like you, Dad. But watch. Jesus will demand of your time in the most inopportune time. Not to test you. It's because that's when you're available. What? Yes. That's right. That's exactly right. That's when he can get the hold of you. Jesus would talk when I was talking, driving on the way home sometimes. Oh, don't you know it's like 3 o'clock? I just got to putting in a 16-hour shift. He says, well, that's all right. And so there goes Peter going out there. Now watch this. Going out after the fourth watch, fishing. So he, Jesus is, you know what he does? What we do. We give Jesus leftovers. How many ever give Jesus leftovers? You know what leftovers mean? Now, if you're a nocturnal being, you do other things at night other than spending time with God. But if you're a morning person, sometimes we get involved in other stuff. And so what happens is sometimes we give Jesus leftovers like Peter getting that net, and it wasn't even the good net. And he said, put off to that side. Oh, Lord, I already did. There's no fish here. And all of a sudden, boom, they get full. Net starts to tear. Jesus called the other guys and said, hey, I mean, not Jesus. Peter called the other guys. OT, guys, come in here and join me. We'll catch, we got the biggest catch of the night. They didn't call their union reps. They all went out to go help. Because some of us lean into our union reps because you don't want to work more. I've been on both sides. I've been union and I've been management. You got to meet in the middle. <laughs> but Jesus will call you in the midst of the, all the junk because now you're available to hear. Pastor, I can't make it. You end at nine, and I, you know, I got kids. Can I tell you something? We let our kids stay up for stupid stuff, not just for church. Well, you know, on Sunday, we got to have family time. You have six days to have family time. I don't see you, I don't see you laying work on the chopping table just to spend time with you. Have you ever called your job and said, you know, I got to spend time with my mom and dad? Call your job and do that because it reveals the heart what you let go of. Because if you're in a boat, just like, remember Paul was going to be shipwrecked? 
What did those people on the ship let go of? Their cargo first. Because the lives were more valuable than the cargo. You know what this current situation does? They dump people to hold on to, the, to hold on to their harvest. My harvest, the business answer is my harvest is more important than people. My harvest is more important than church. I don't care if I hear from God. Because here's what happened. Here's the lie. I could hear from God at home. Yes, for home stuff. But orders from headquarters come, and training for the work of the ministry come from the church because that's why it exists. Because people don't understand why it exists. I can get it from home. Really? Can you get the anointing that's present? No. Thank God for talk shoes. Some of you catch up. That's good. But talk shoes is not a replacement for church. Well, you know, uh, you can't be pastored by television. And people say, well, you know, what about the cripples that can't go to church TV? You know what? Are you a cripple that can't get to church? Come on now. You know what I hear? See, as an assistant pastor, I heard all of these reasons. Now, your car breaks down, things happen. I don't want to say things happen. No, they happen every once in a while. Isn't that something they can't get to church on time, but they can go to work on time? That doesn't make sense. You'll get up at 4 a.m. just so that you don't avoid a missing paycheck. Just because I don't write you up and give you corrective action. I don't, make, I don't knock points off of, your, off of your record like they do at work. You're saying, Pastor, why are you placing that importance? Can I tell you something? Look, look up this way. Look, look, this is why David's mighty men were mighty. Because, see, it costs everything to fulfill the call and purpose on your life. Because it's not an addendum to your life. Your job is the addendum to your life. But if I didn't have the job, I wouldn't make the money I need. Really? Because now you're living based upon what the world provides, not what God provides. If God gave you the job, he can give you another one. Yeah, but he doesn't give me my seniority. Really? How do you know the guy? Can I tell you? Ask Pam. Ask Pam. God would tell me to switch jobs, and guess what they would do when they would seek me out? I didn't know about this till later when I began to look over the stuff. When they would seek me out, guess what they would give me back? My stock options and give me back to my original hire date and give me all these benefits back. So I, I didn't get new benefits, which were less. They would give me the benefits I got when I first started working. And that happened a few times because I would go from this company to that company, that company to this company, because they would fish me out. Now, that's because in a whole city, I mean, you know what, in Colorado, the whole state, they would look for me. But I didn't know. I would just say, what's favor God a favor? Because gone are the days that you could work for Bethlehem Steel, Goodyear, and all these other places where families and generations can come in. But how many know that? The companies you knew about when you were growing up no longer exist. It's the truth. I mean, you know, the White Westinghouse, Maytag, Panasonic, JVC are all made by different companies now. They just have a name on it. It's the truth. Sometimes we're brand loyal to a brand that no longer exists because it's made in the same place. Even the jeans you wear comes out of the same mill but all you do is change the thread and the, and the label. How I many know that we send our steel to China and Japan? And they build things for us and send them back because they can do it cheaper. And we're like, yes. Yet the kingdom of God, the Bible says, is a stable 
Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. That is a more sure word, a more sure, stable ground for you to stand on than anything else. You are to help. Watch this. Can I, take, can, I, can I get real honest with you? Are you guys mature enough to handle what I'm about to say? God put me here. He gave me a job description. I didn't ask for it. I was eight years old before I became aware that I had a call of God on my life. Because every time Catherine Coleman point that bony finger of hers straight at, and it seemed like she was pointing straight at me. And she goes, young man, and you know, thousands of them in the Shrine Auditorium. God and the glory, it looked like snow that was all around, like a black and white TV. Just, so God has his hand on you, and God has called you, and I'm thinking like, ah, oh, my heart was just going down. I'm thinking, what the heck, lady? And I, sometimes I'd be, pretend I was asleep, and I'd wake up just in time. For the, it looked like she was literally floating in the air because she would walk really quick, you know, under that long flowing dress. And say, you, and I knew that I was called. I didn't pick this. God picked it. He gave me this job description. Your job is to make me look good. Your job is to make the words that come out of my mouth relevant because God moves based on your hunger, what you draw from me. Now, can I tell you something? It's not the David show. God put me here. And the, when I read the scriptures, I am obligated, just like King David was, is to build a staff around me. Now watch what he did. Look at these mighty men. Let me finish reading this so we can end right here. And I'm not saying do this for me, because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Together, can I tell you something? I'm not one of these glory seekers. Together, we're to establish a kingdom. Now watch this. This is the, and it stabilizes his rule over the kingdom in accordance to God's word. This is the list of David's warrior, warriors. Jashobim, the Hakamite, was the head of the officers. He killed 300 men with one spear in a single battle. Good Lord. Now watch this. Next in command was Eleazar, son of Dodo, the Aholite. He was one of the elite, the three elite warriors. Imagine he had elite warriors. You know that just like Jesus, his inner circle was, he had three in his inner circle. He had the 12, and then the multitude. Now watch this. To the multitude, he spoke the word. To the 12, he imparted the word. To the three, he imparted his heart. Are you with me? Lord, I the Lord spoke to me. I said, Lord, I want to be one of the three with you. I want your heart. See, how many here one time when the Lord had me talk about we follow the king's heart? And the man who pulled that off his chest and he rolled it into the fog and he, the guy went after his heart. To the multitudes, Jesus spoke the word. To the twelve, he imparted the word. To the three, he gave him his heart. He was with David in Pas Damim when the Philistines or Philistines assembled there for battle. In an area of a field that was full of barley, the army retreated before the Philistines. But then they made a stand in the middle of that area. Who did? The three. Everybody else retreated. See, when we're in between buildings, there are a lot of people that retreated. I'm glad to see many of you here right now. There's a lot of people in between buildings. Oh, you're still in a hotel? Ah, never mind. They retreat. 
Don't shout me down because I'm saying it good. <laughs> now watch. See, I got to teach you to walk by the word. See, you might say, Pastor, you're supposed to teach faith. I'm teaching you faith. If you didn't pick up on that, faith is the object right here. Because can I tell you something? We started with showing you faith and duty. That's what that whole thing in chapter 17 of Luke 1 through 10, it's called faith, sin, and duty. What's sin? When you don't do anything. Now watch this. And they made their stand in the middle of that area. They defended and defeated the Philistines. The Lord gave them a great victory. Three of the 30 leaders went down. How many leaders? 30. Now, see, you might say, Pastor, there's no room here. You know what? I need at least good, a good 30 leaders, but we're going to establish. Can I tell you something? We're going to do a lot of things. See, now, as leaders, look up at me. Go like this. Okay, you wiped off the tears. Let's keep going. Because you know, sometimes it gets hard. Sometimes you're fighting symptoms in your body. No one understands. Can you tell you men are the worst when they get symptoms? <laughs> it's true. Men get all crazy when they get sick. Put a leader's badge on. You don't have time to get sick. You know what? When you're the manager, who are you going to call into? There's nobody to call into so you're sick. You, go, you show up. No, DM will DM will just look at you. You can't even get a hold of you. You leave a message. You you got a for sure write up when you get back. And that's when they visit your store. That's when they visit your company when you're not there. And your assistant shakes in his boots. So and so's here. What do I do? Nothing. Just do your job. He's a man just like you. Puts on his pants just like you do. Just your phone start ringing like crazy. I don't answer it. <laughs> it's true. Take the heat, dude. I mean, you know what? If something's wrong, take the heat. You know, we got to be able to take heat. Could you imagine these guys? The people retreated and all they left was the leaders. Feels like church, doesn't it, Sam? No, it feels just like church. We're going to do great things for God. Yes! That's the crowd. They left with the 12. Robert calls them Kelly's heroes. You ever saw the movie Kelly's Heroes? Yeah, I, I God takes the motley crew, just like he did the disciples. The disciples were a tax collector who used to skim off the top to live. Wow. That was Matthew. That and he took them and said, let's go. Peter, a hot-headed businessman who, you know what? He invented good things. He invented this whole thing that he, where he put nets all around the ocean. So when the fish got in, he could really sell fresh fish. They didn't have refrigeration. What a genius. He caught them and threw them in this, his own aquarium. Isn't that wild? Yeah, yeah. He, this guy was rich. Yeah, yeah. One of the only ones selling fresh fish. Because they just bring them up there and keep them cold. He kept them in the ocean. It's the truth. Then the sons of Zebedee out there helping their dad build. He called them said, hey, come follow me. And they jumped off and followed, left dad alone. Robert knows what I'm talking about. How many kids? The kids will help you unload the first load and go in the house, start playing games, and you're there leaving the rest of them. So, <laughs> It's almost like Jesus called them, but you go in the house and find out that it's PlayStation 4 that called them. And you're out there loading all by yourself. Isn't that true, brother? Then they get the little things, the little totes. <laughs> Especially when you come back from the beach. And watch what happens. But they made a stand, verse 14, in the middle of that area and defended and defeated the Philistines. The Lord gave them a great victory. Who gave them a great victory? 
But you know what? This, look at look at your neighbor and say your your attendance is required for a great victory. See, some people don't get to church, don't get to hear the word, and they want a great victory. Watch when we get into our building how many show up and say, wow, man, we've been holding the fort for so long. Yeah. You just smile and say, praise the Lord. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Boy, do I have some ideas. You know what? You didn't lay a stone down, man. You know what? Can I tell you something? So you lay down some financial stones that are going to keep this place open. Can I tell you something? We're going to, we're going to talk about some plans when we get, in a little bit, but watch this. Three of the 30 leaders went down to David at the rocky cliff of the cave of Adullam while a Philistine force was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was in the stronghold at the time while the Philistine garrison was in Bethlehem. David was at thirsty and he said, dude, I wish I had someone would get me uh, Nevion. Oh, I've been just craving Nevion, but it's in town and I can't get one. And so... They said, man, that's all the way in the city. And so the three warriors broke through the Philistine forces, drew some water from a cistern at 7-Eleven near the city gate, and they carried it back to David. But David refused to drink it as he poured it out as a drink offering. To see, they brought him a 40-ounce of Evian, and he just said, no, watch this. <laughs> no, watch this. And they said, God forbid that I should do this. Should I drink the blood of these men who risked their lives because they risked their lives to bring it to him? He refused to drink it. Such were the exploits of the three elite warriors of David. You ever ask, what am I looking for? That's what I'm looking for. Now look at me. Look at me. Because Pam will tell you, we've, we've, we've wrangled because of the time that I would spend in ministry sometimes because I was one of the mighty men of the ministries that we were part of. And Paul was too, but sometimes, you know what? There used to be a time when I was off balance because of what we were taught. And I would go straight from work to healing service while Pam was at home alone without a phone and with David and Riss, his babies. Pardon me? Not Riss, just David. And then I learned something about prioritizing. I mean, God had to teach me some things and you know, Pam helped me get that plan together so that we understood. What's that? Well, she did. That's what I said. Pam helped me during that time, too. Because, see, there had to be something different. And what happened was, though, I know what it's like to serve. Watch this. I was 21 years old, and they put me in charge of, that was a manager of a multimillion-dollar branch in the San Gabriel Valley. It was already in my blood. And I also served with the same intensity in the ministry that I have. And I served at home with the same intensity. I just didn't have my priorities correct. So I know what it's like to give my all because there was one time. This is a true story. We were, we were having a staff meeting in this ministry. And the pastor was asking people, and it was kind of funny, who in this place is faithful? And I would probably ask the same of you guys. Who's faithful? And so, you know, because you know, how many know that we always be more faithful? And I got in trouble at this place one time because I was working for a company, and they said, what grade would you give yourself? And I'm thinking, oh. you know why? Because we get introspective. When you get introspective, you see all the holes. How many know that's true? Now watch this. How many here have been promoted through the years, and you're, you're getting close to the top of the, the place where you're working at? Well, uh, I'm asking you that because you didn't get there just because you happened to. Someone died and you got the spot. You got there because of your hard work and your faithfulness. Now, watch this. They began to ask. This boss asked me, I gave myself a B. And he goes, I'm going to write you up just for that. Because you get an A. 
Now, you might not get 100% A, but you get an A because of what you've done. And he showed me all my accomplishments. I said, oh, praise the Lord. And, and then what happened was this pastor said, who's faithful in this place? And then people were saying, no, I could do this and this. He goes, right. And he, this guy used to yell at us. And, and, and he came to me and I thought, well, you know what? I don't even miss. I said, yeah, I'm faithful. And he says, that's right. David and Pamela are the only ones that are hateful, blah, 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 blah. And he get, just give me all these accolades. But what I saw in myself was holes. But yet in spite of the holes, I was there whenever he asked. We sat in the hottest rooms ever from prayer meeting. Whether we were sleeping, can I tell you something? You got a whole room full of like 30 people and they're all praying. And you're sitting in the back row just, you know, because it's hot. There's no airflow. And people are praying about the birds and the bees. They don't just turn around. They're just praying, Lord, and we are so thankful for the birds that fly in the air. Like, oh, my God. It just has nothing to do with birds. <laughs> no, but we're in our, you know, we're between 18 and 21. You know, we're just sitting in this place. What time? Well, how old? We were in our 20s. She remembers those things. But to me, it's a cloud. It just comes into one place. And we're sitting there going like, because it was hard to stay awake. And Pam would be the last one. Because I would pray for our youth. And Pam would be the last one. She goes, Lord, you know, everybody already prayed for everything that's just conceivable. So, Father, I just add my amen. This was, was true. Pam was the most honest person in the bunch. Because there was nothing left to say. And Pastor would look up and smile real big. And he'd, he'd start laughing and say, that's right, amen. And we'd finish. And we'd get out. We'd get some air. <sighs> there were no bottles of water in those days. There wasn't. There wasn't bottled water. We all drank from the tap or a water hose. How many remember as kids? You just turn on the water, even if it was a neighbor's house. You know, make sure nothing comes out of there. It's not supposed to be in there. And then you just and you drink it. <laughs> you go turn it off. You know, neighbors they didn't shoot you or anything. They just just put the hose back, me hole in your face, and just throw it down and just keep running. We come out of there and it's like, oh my God! But faithfulness. Faithfulness. We paid the price. Then we built up a children's ministry at the other church. We were there all the time with our kids. And guess what? Our kids, can I tell you something? We'd serve. Can I tell you something? Well, family time. Serve as a family in your church. Teach your kids a legacy. Because all you're doing is showing them how to stay home. You're showing them faithfulness to the ministry. Faithfulness to God by leaving, really, by, by not missing. Well, they get bored. You know what? My grandma took us and we were sitting in glory clouds on the floor in these Pentecostal churches, and all we saw was feet. Glory to God. How many of you ever been? You remember being in places like that? And my grandma was out there, oh, and then we'd go home and make fun. What did you guys do? I don't know, but grandma was like, It was, that's all we got out of it. And then she'd fall on the ground. And so we'd fall on the ground like my grandma. But all we knew is that there was God in this place. And, she, and then we'd go to these evangelists. She didn't understand a lick of English. And she's, why are we here? She goes, because the Spirit's talking to my heart. And she would tell me what's going on. And I, sure enough, it was what the, what the preacher was saying. She opened up her purse with some fat offerings in there. My grandma never wanted for money. God would always supply. And she'd know these black ladies because she said black churches have the, the spirit flow more than she knew. And they said, 
hey, Juana, what you doing? You know, and, 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 they're just, and she starts speaking back to them any way she can. And I'll tell you what, they were like her best friends. They had this communication block because she spoke Spanish. Now watch this. Now watch this. She's saying, well, she should learn English. You know what? Money makes the world go around. And you know what happens? There's people that are smart. You see, a lot of Jewish people owned a lot of downtown cities. And it was conducive for them to have these huge blocks of Spanish-speaking people that can work for them for little or no money. No, but anyway, what happens? No, they work for them. And they never had to... They never had to learn English because the stores that they went to, the shops that they operated, everybody spoke the same language. And the same is true with other communities that are Indian communities, Chinese communities. People don't have to. They don't have to. Why? Because money makes the world go on. It's not the language. Learn English. Shut up. No, no, listen. We get all politically minded and don't understand what really makes the world go around. Now, watch this. How are we going to be a viable economic force in this world? By allowing the, the economy of the kingdom of God to influence this world. How are we going to get there? We operate on a different level because the spiritual level gives birth to the physical level because that's what faith does. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. How does it become evident? When that which is not seen becomes seen. Amen, Pastor. It comes in. David's mighty men, the 30 leaders, and the multitudes, because David had a big army. They said he was up to 600 men, the army. Out of that army, they had 30 leaders. And, And then the three. What are we going to accomplish together as we're planted in a hostile environment as a ministry? I'm not just talking one person. As a ministry, we're put into a hostile environment. We're a remnant. There are a lot of people that in the church world that don't hear what you're hearing here today. I'm not saying I'm the only one saying it. What I am saying is that we're one of the few. We're the few that are moving in this direction to establish a change in this world. You say, how do you know that, Pastor? Really, how many churches are there in Glendora? How different is Glendora from the rest of the world? Not much. Dallas, more churches per capita in in that city. Has that city changed? No, they got the highest crime rate right now. Pomona. How many know Pomona's got issues? Right now in this area of San Gabriel Valley, Pomona has more churches per capita than any other city. How different? How many? How many ever driven through Pomona? Pomona needs help. Baldwin Park is the second most church city in our area per capita. How many know Baldwin Park needs help? San Bernardino County's got a few mega churches. How many know that? My father-in-law reminded me, I didn't hear the statistic, but he said that San Bernardino is, is, is close to one of the murder capitals of the, of the, of the counties. That's the largest county in, 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 in the United States. Which my, we tell my father-in-law, yeah, but it goes all the way to Las Vegas. Oh, it does? Oh, okay, so now we're safe. But you know what I mean? But he worries that we're in, the, we're in the midst of this stuff. So how has the church affected San Bernardino County? It hasn't, because we only affect what's in these four walls. And then when we get home, it affects our four walls. But how many of us are going beyond? This is what we're called to do. It's to become established and go beyond the four walls. I like, thank you, sir. I like what Margaret, Margaret reported. There's been at least, just a minimum, that we know four cancers healed. Amen. That's why I asked her. I started saying, well, how are we affecting? Some of the people haven't even been here. 
we've just prayed for. Why? Because we just don't pray for our own. We pray for all. Now, I want you to understand something. What does that mean? It means commitment. How do we commit with everything we are? It takes everything. See, a lot of times we reserve my time. Really? You, okay, you can be one of the 600 men. But how many here have the capacity to become the 30? How many have the capacity to become the three? How many, how many know it takes commitment to the battle to knock out 300 people with a spear? A spear, find you. It's not just a sword where you can slice people. This is one of those... You know, you know what I mean? It's, it, it, it's a little bit of work. How many have ever cut a chicken? How many know that after you finish with the chicken, deboning it and everything, how many know you're tired? How many of your hands get a little bit of carpal tunnel when you're starting to cut meat? Oh, yeah. No, 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 stop and think about it. That's how they fought in those days. Swords and spears and clubs. How many ever got hit with a hammer, your, your thumb or something? How many ever done that when you're doing something? How many know that in those days they would fight? And how many know they didn't get a plank in the back and they kept going? Some of us go, oh, I'll quit. I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> the truth. See? He calls you Lopez. True? The issues that surround your life will begin to come to an end as you establish yourself in the kingdom of God. The key to it is that you want God to do something first, but he wants to work with you to bring about an effective change in the surrounding areas of your life. God will begin to heal your body and put it back in order. But what happens is you got to, see, in order to get wet, you got to get into the rain. You're never going to get wet while you stay where you think it's safe. You've got to come outside of yourself and commit your life to Jesus Christ 100% and say, God, I'm going to step out into the rain. You've got to be willing to see because faith is R-I-S-K. It's a risk. But you've got to dig yourself into what God has already said. Because, see, years ago, you made a go at Christianity. And what happens is you believe, but you don't believe with your whole body, with your whole mind. You're God conscious, but his hand isn't working with your hand. And this is where he wants to get. He wants to have his hand and your hand working together to see the healing in your entire body from head to toe, from fingertip to fingertip. And then he can begin to affect your surrounding. He can begin to affect the people in your family. He can begin to put the building blocks and bring your family back together because right now you're living a life that's fractured and God wants to bring that whole thing back together. But in his time, but he wants to begin with you because you're fractured. It's like you, your loyalties lie in all kinds of things that you're involved in, but God wants you to bring it all under him, first you, and then handle only what's in front of you because so many times you want to put your hands in everything because you want everything to be right, but only handle the way that Jesus did. He only healed those that were in front of him. Get his word in your heart so that when you speak, can I tell you something? Here's what it says. Now, how many want to demystify the word? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is that? See, a lot of believers put themselves in that thing. But he's speaking concerning those that are not his and those that are his. Let me say that again. Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth, the more of him that you have, the words that you speak can begin to affect your life. See, when you get to that place, well, I don't know what I'm going to do anymore. God says, you're there where you're supposed to be. Because he'll guide your steps. 
So your life will change tonight. When you make that effective change, say, God, all of me goes to all of you, and all of you comes into me. It's an exchange. I like when Catherine Coleman used to say, Jesus, I give you all of my nothing, and I take all of your everything. What an exchange. And that's where he wants you. He picks up all the pieces of your fragmented life and makes you whole. That's peace. Father, let the peace that transcends all understanding come upon her, in her, and through her. Jesus, be Lord of her life. I release healing of the soul, healing of the body, in the name of Jesus, giving her ears to hear and eyes to see what you have for her in this coming future in Jesus' name. Your future is good because you haven't been there yet, neither has the devil. As you step into your future with Christ, you will begin to have eyes to see what he has, in, what he has for you. He's got much in store for you, Lopez. Much in store. Amen. What I'm saying accurate? God spoke to you today. It's time to become, you can become one of David's mighty men. Mighty, because it's not just women and men. It's everyone in the body. Because you've been called to greatness. And the thing is that the world gave you a shot to the side. The church gave you a shot to the side. Christ says, now you're in the right place where you can come to me. And I will bring things right. Amen? Glory to God. Glory to God. See, out of the abundance of the heart, the, the mouth speaks. Jesus is speaking. Watch this. We're going to eliminate it. We're going to knock over a religious cow. We're going to tip a religious cow. He's talking about those who belong to him. In him, all things are made new. Amen? So the, therefore, the things that come out of your mouth that are coming, a lot of times say, bad flesh, bad flesh. No, your flesh, soul, have been redeemed because of the spirit man inside of you because God has come in to make you whole. Say whole. Now the words that come out of your mouth, you're not evil. Because he says that out of the mouth, what does that mean? It means that the whole tree is bad. Amen? Amen. How many here have ever seen a tree that produces pretty good fruit? But sometimes the birds of the air come and pick some of it, so you don't want, you know, how, many, how many know you want to eat a, a plum that's got, that a bird's been picking at? How many know that's the truth? How many have ever seen where they're just a little too ripe? And they're not good either. But the tree is good. Amen? Amen? So what happens is sometimes the fruit in our life goes through changes. It doesn't mean that the whole tree is bad. So what he, the analogy he's drawing is that there's a good tree and there's bad trees. The proof of the tree is that the fruit that comes out, which is the mouth, is all bad. But what we've done is we've accepted the teaching that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth flows. That means your heart's rotten. No, it's not. I've been redeemed. How many know that I've been redeemed, spirit, soul, and body? How many know you've been redeemed, spirit, soul, and body? Just because you're in the process of sanctification, in other words, you're getting to produce good fruit. You're receiving good fertilizer of the word. How many know that your words are being refined as we speak? Don't ever fall into condemnation because of that. Should you be seeking good words? Amen. That's why you're here. You're being taught to speak good words. But don't ever have the notion that out of the abundance of the heart that your heart is bad. Because you know what? Out of the abundance of your heart, guess what? You call on Jesus, don't you? How many know that out of the abundance of the heart you say, Jesus, forgive me, man. I've been a jackass all day. Right. <laughs> Amen. You know what? Okay, let me, let me get out of King James mode. Let me go into NIV mode. How many have been a donkey all day? All right, but let me just get, you know what, sometimes I quote King James and some of you go, oh, pastor. So let me, let me go back into NIV mode. You've been a donkey all day. Donkey, okay. Okay, so let, let, me, let me just kind of 
you know, how many know, you know what, when we were kids, we used to find the cuss words in the King James Bible. Oh, yeah, I remember that. It's true. The first time I ever read the words piss was in the Bible. You did. It's, you know what, it's true. And we used to say, we'd get in trouble at home saying, well, it says it in the Bible, Mom. <laughs> She'd be ready to slap us down and put soap in our mouth. We said, but it says in the Bible. We're like Bart Simpson. The hell is in the Bible, see, Mom? <laughs> I'm even going to say it. Mom, I know you're waxed hot right now. She used to laugh as she was swatting us. Your anger is waxing hot against us. We understand that. No, Pam's wondering how my mom ever put up with us, but, you know. My dad wasn't, he didn't laugh while he was smacking us around. He was just wood. <laughs> but you understand, we've got to let that word become real in our hearts. It, you know that it takes a commitment to be the mighty man. Well, I'm old. So, so was Joshua and Caleb. See, you can't even say you're old until you're 80 years old. I'm just getting biblical with you. And when you're 80, you can swing a sword like, like you were 20. Yes, sir. Yes. Sometimes you can say, you know what? Yeah. You can get like Danny Glover on Lethal Weapon. I'm getting too old for this stuff. I said stuff, okay? So you don't look at me. Some of you that watch. It's the truth. The devil comes and tells me, you're pastoring a church, you're almost 60. We started when we were just almost 50. And we're going, God, you called us late. He said, it's not late. Amen. Yeah, sometimes you do. I mean, you know what? There's sometimes I sit my butt down on the chair and I just... And you know what? You know what? I'm like, all the time. That's why I say, you know, I'm the the biggest hyper person you'll meet. But when I sit down, my body says, okay, starts... It does. It's the truth. I hear Robert sits in a favorite chair and he starts to go too. I think most men do. I'm like Dagwood. Sit me on a couch and I start taking a nap. So you're going, Dagwood? Some of you don't know. <laughs> Dagwood and Blondie. You know, some, some of the kids are going like, huh? Some of our kids don't even know who Charlie Brown is anymore. Charlie who? <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, it's time. It's time. We're at the right place at the right time. If you wonder why things are getting hard, it's because you're not forcing yourself to go forward. And Jesus is going to call on you like he did Peter. Amen. Amen. I don't want to go any further. I'll find her next week's teaching. Now, I want you to understand something. The minute I'm going to have Rick come up, because we already blessed the women. Rick's going to share with you about a, about a young lady who's, who's beginning a project. Can I tell you something? We will. I'm going to tell you about two things. But one is this. She's beginning a project. How many know that we have to infiltrate the kingdom, kingdoms of this world? And she's, she's moving in towards the arts and entertainment field. And what happens, the way that they raise money for their things is they have campaigns that, they begin, that are online and they begin to do certain things. And Brother Rick is, you know what? He does his own screenplays. Some of you don't know what he does. He screenplays, and he's actually produced and acted in one movie so far. 
the kids at my house, they like to watch the movie every once in a while, and Rick kind of laughs over it because they're watching, but they do. They, you know, it's entertaining. It, it was done better than El Mariachi. No, when you see Mr. Rodriguez's first work, you can see the booms and everything in there, you know, and stuff, but, it, it, but his was done, and it flowed. But he wants to do more. But he's in the business with other believers sometimes who, who do things. And in a minute, he's going to kind of introduce what's going on. And he's going to ask you to help participate to keep the campaign moving and, and to sow financially into these things. And so what we're going to do is we're not going to pass the bucket, but he'll stand there. And if the Lord moves you to help out, I want you to put money into his hand so that he can put it into her hand. What's that about? He is sowing seed into hers that he may have a harvest into his. I, uh, this is how the kingdom works. And you might be saying, well, Rick's not here all the time. That's because he works a lot. He, his job, see, we work in a 24-hour society, and he works in a place that never shuts down. And sometimes they need him there all the time, but he's here when he can get here. He comes straight from Morongo here. How many have ever been to Morongo? You lay down money, put down money. You put offerings in Morongo yourselves. <laughs> So you put offerings in Sam and Well. <laughs> Don't expose yourself, brother. No, I'm kidding. But, but, but what happens is he comes all the way from that. He lives out in Hemet, right, brother? He lives in Hemet. And God's got him coming here. Now, I'm not telling you pat him, pat him on the back. I'm just saying sometimes we don't know things. So he's going to come up in a few minutes and, 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 and share some things uh, of what's going on. And, and the... Amen. I'm going to stop right there. Do you have something to add? you want to say some more on this, or is this enough? Come on up. Come on up right quick. Right there. <laughs> Amen.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.